Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. To join us to talk about that, the the most highly anticipated camp we have ever seen around here. And because he was a part of each and every one of them, he will give you that particular landscape drop that's necessary right now from CBS4 and Fox 59. Mike Chappell, he does join us. I mentioned this, Mike, that this is going to have the most interest ever regarding a Colts training camp. With with Manning, you, you felt you knew what you were getting. You certainly did with luck when he came in. But there is is such an incredible level of interest and mystery surrounding Anthony Richardson and what to think, what to believe, and what to expect. It makes this the most highly anticipated camp that I've ever seen. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Because, again, like you said with the other ones, you you had a pretty good idea because, you know, Manning and Luck had track records. They had, you know, well, he did this in college, and, and Luck was ultra successful. And this kid – as much as you want to say, boy, look what he can be. Go back to the – remember what Chris Ballard's quote was? We drafted him for what he can be, what he can be in the future. So uh, – and you're right. And, and we in the media, we we overdo things because that's what we do. And as I said, we're going to be charting who took the most snaps with the first unit, what were, the, what were their completion percentages, and did he look like he knew what he was doing, and, and – because that's what we do more so now it, just, just because of, of the importance and most of us, I think, believing that unless Richardson just, as I've said, proves that he's not ready. And I think he has to really be not ready. I think the, the expectation is that he is a, the day one starter because again, as long as he's holding up his end and playing somewhat efficiently, whatever that efficiently is. And he, and he's not just, you know, three interceptions and stupid plays and fumbles. What's it matter if you go five and 12 or, or, or seven and 10, if my ball state math is correct. So th- this is all about the quarterback and how is he progressing? How is he growing? How are the players around him? You know, are, are, are they? Is he showing the leadership you need? Because he's their future. I mentioned in a tweet last week, which is, you know, the, the three pro franchises with, with Boston and Halliburton and, and Richardson. God, you've got three young cornerstones, and Richardson has got to be the guy. He just does, because if he's not, then where are you for the next? Yeah. Four or five, you know, we we just we've just been through this rinse and repeat cycle, and that's why it's the. I agree with you. The, the interest is immense because because you just don't know, and the unknown always brings interest and curiosity. And what they've already announced that that one July 29th practice is is sold out. Availability sold out. They're free, but the availability, they're at capacity. And there will be more. I'm guessing that the evening practices and the joint practice with the Bears will, will be will be full capacity. So that just shows you that, that people want to see these guys and see what they've got. So Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And yeah, we've talked about this in the past. A conversation we have to have if they deem him unworthy unready to start is one we don't want to have to have because then scenario, you start yeah. thinking about okay so what's the timetable on him ever being ready in the distant future and then why is he not ready you all of a sudden get into the skepticism as was he the right selection there and those those are just grounds in which you don't want to tread in my belief around here conversationally you want him mistakes and all to be good to go in week one yeah, but, but you're right. You're right. But but again, if he if he's not ready, you're gonna say, "Well, my goodness, he played 13. He started 13 years in college. What do you expect?" So it, it, it's there, 
and let's say he's not ready, and and Minshew has to start, or not has, but Minshew starts, I don't know, the, the bulk of the games, and then they sprinkle in Richardson later. It didn't mean he, doesn't mean he's a bust. It just means that he, he was going to need that year to sort of really learn what the heck's going on and and kind of get his feet underground. Now, if if you know if midway through next year you're saying what's this kid doing? Why isn't he? Why is he still not showing? Then you've got then you've got problems. Uh, and I've always said that the worst thing you can do, the worst, it, it's better to have it's better to not have a quarterback or to really go through what the Colts were doing than to have a guy that you think is the guy. Because it takes you two or three years to find out that he's not. You know, look, look at the guy, you know, it was a locker in Tennessee and, and Bortles and a couple of guys in, in Jacksonville. And is, I would say Kyler Murray in Arizona. If he's not the guy, it just it's just such a thunderclap to your franchise. And... You know, let's say again that Richardson's—he just shows you a little bit, but he—he—he—he he, he, he starts only on occasion, and you've got a crappy year, and you got a top three pick next year. I mean, did, you think you're going to get a quarterback again? Are you going to do the Arizona thing? What was it, Josh Rosen and then Murray? I can't even imagine them abandoning Richardson that quickly. I, I just can't. Uh, I you know, and go with one of the big studs in next year's draft, but. What you really want to come out of this year with is an idea that, you know, we, we made the right choice. And, yes, he has to play early because he needs – he needs he just because he has to. But you've got to have the idea that you, you can see for the next four, five, six, eight years that this guy's going to take you there. The worst thing would be to, to say, man, what, what the hell did we – what did we do? Because to to, to to abandon him in, in the offseason and, and draft another quarterback would just be awful, and I I just can't I can't envision that happening. You've got to give him two years. You've got to give him two years to see what you've got, and then if you got to panic, you panic. So but Mike, I, I just I don't see that happening. It's uh, Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. I, I kind of wonder. You know, I think you're going to see certainly a knock around here, which is expected, and then next year Correct. you're going to want to see some strides. I just I don't know when you're really you know going to be able to um, to feel great. And again, maybe maybe we're all looking at this from a pessimistic standpoint to where uh, he certainly will play better than than what we think he's going to early on. But man, that is uh, that he's is certainly a lot. Early. He just yeah, is. There's just no way around that. There. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, well, he can run the ball and all this different. I mean, decision making, all this, you know, is surrounding the type of outcomes he's going to have. And this is going to be these breakdowns, Mike, that we give series after series, play after play. It Which is, is never going to give us a rest. But you're right, and it's unfair. But that's that's where we are. And keep in mind, they're going to do everything possible to put Richardson in a position to succeed. They're going to, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, they're going to dummy down the offense. They're going to make it more simplistic, and then you know maybe for a couple of years, and then in year three, if he's if he's the guy, you're going to see an expansion. I remember with Peyton. I, I, not, not, again, it, it's it's really not fair to compare the two, but but the approach maybe because after about a year, year and a half, that's when Tom Moore started taking the training wheels off, and that's when he let Peyton kind of go. Maybe it was two years, whatever. But but initially, Peyton wasn't going up there at the line of scrimmage and doing what the hell he wanted to. So and, and it, it took Peyton go back and go back and look at his rookie year. Forget the fact that he's a Hall of Famer and Super Bowls and all that. His first seven or eight games, he wasn't very good. I mean, he, he was littering field with interceptions. And the light went on in Frisco. I was there. They got hosed by the officials, should have beaten the Niners. And from that date on, he was good. He was good, and you knew it. You just knew it. So I don't know when or how. You, you quantify that Richardson's doing what he needs to do. They'll know. They'll tell us. They're not. They are not going to put him out there like like a David Carr and let him get his head beaten in because they can't protect. And, and if, if the offensive line doesn't work, 
I don't know what they do. I really don't. Well, you can't. well I don't. Even, that's another thing you don't want to think about because you have opportunities to change this thing up, and it's almost like you say, "Well, we're going to change up the the coach, uh, the positional coach, and then hope that these guys just had a down year with a quarterback that was over the hill and, and an injured running back." I, yeah. I, I mean, those that's wishful thinking, at least on the surface, before we start here. As much interest, and rightly so, as there is in the quarterback, the most important thing is how's the offensive line play. It, it is, and we've talked about this. We won't know in training camp. They'll they'll look good in training camp. You know, hopefully no one gets dinged up or injured, whatever. They'll look good, And but if the offensive line plays good at a decent level, this things will work. Things will work at a good level. If, if they're like they were the first, I don't know, third of last year, I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care who the running back is. It won't work. It just won't work. So there's a ton of there's a ton uh, of pressure, whatever word you want to put on there, on the offensive line to play well. Because like you said, we've talked. They didn't change anything. They looked at that group and said, "Yeah, okay, with the new voice and new voices and coaches in the room, this will work." Well, we'll see. Because if it doesn't, it doesn't. None of this is going to work. Mike Chappell of CBS Forum Fox 59 is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Is there? Do you expect there has been unofficial dialogue between the the two sides about what? I mean, do you think sitting there right now, like Jonathan Taylor knows exactly what the Colts want to give? Is there a ballpark figure in his mind yeah, oh, to the Colts? Uh, no. what, what do you What do you think we are just dialogue wise? And I'm talking unofficial dialogue I with determining what's going to happen here. There better have been official dialogue. They've had, they had to have had substantive talks where Taylor knows what the Colts are offering. The Colts know what what he wants, and and then obviously it's is there a middle ground? Well, now I want you. I want to stop you right there because this is why I asked the question, Mike, and then I'm gonna let you finish up with all this thought. Because do you think that if he knew it was going to be something that he was satisfied with? Would he have been as outspoken early in the week regarding Saquon Barkley's no. situation as he was? No. Yeah, you're right. The fact that he's been out of character and, and remember he put something out there about sort, sort of stating his case. And then the other one, when those guys didn't get deals, he just said, wow. Like, and it was a wow, like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Type of thing. So, yeah, I, I think he knows. I think, now, again, deadlines spur results. And the problem here is there's really no deadline for JT. Now, one thing that is kind of funny that we haven't talked about, there's a deadline to get those three draft picks signed. Richardson and who's a Juju and uh, the tackle, uh, Freeland. They're unsigned, and until they get signed, they don't go to camp. So, And it's kind of strange that they haven't been signed by this time because – by and large, you know what the con- well, you know what the contract is. It's just some things you can do on when does he get his signing bonus and is, can Juju get some more guaranteed. But they've got to get those done, and they will. But with Taylor, yeah, I, I think both sides kind of know. Hey, this could work or this won't work. But the problem is, there's no. We got to get this done by by training camp. We need to get this done done by the regular season. Didn't didn't those three a couple of years ago get done? Before the season and at the end of camp with Leonard and, and Hines and, and Braden Smith, they got done late in camp. It just needs to get doggone. It just needs to get done. It just does. I understand. I understand the market and the, the league has told us what the market is, and it ain't what these running backs want. But this is we've talked. This is different. This is forget the market. Forget the NFL. This is. We're not talking long term with JT for six years. We're talking give him give him something solid for two years that you know for two years he's going two more years he's going to be here. He's going to get paid decent and worry about you know 2026 you know later. And they they have made a tradition of rewarding their own, overpaying for their own. They overpaid for Shaq. They overpaid for Braden. They didn't really overpay for Naheem because it wasn't, you know, a, a, a over-the-top deal. But if it takes an extra million a year to get JT done, then, then do it. And now, unless he's asking for something 
if he's asking for Christian McCaffrey money, that's crazy. It's not going to happen. And one thing to keep in mind is, and we, we, we've touched on this last week, let's say the Colts play hardball, which is totally against what they've done. They make him play out this year, then they go franchise, franchise, which they can do. That gives him about $25 million or whatever. There's no, to me, JT and his people can't be saying, you know, we're just going to do this and, and wait till we get to free agency. Well, what makes you think free agency is going to be any better in, in a year or two? It's, I don't see this running back dilemma turning around in a year or two. So his best, you know, I, I haven't got a dog in the fight, but to me, his best option is sort of to take a, a reasonable offer from the Colts that's multi-year and guarantees him, I don't know, $20, $24 million. Because for him to think that all I need to do is get to free agency and I'll really hit – like Michael Pittman, he probably wants to get to free agency, and good for him because he, he, may, he may hit it. I just can't see a running back saying, well, I'll just play it out, and when I get to free agency, I'll make you guys sorry you didn't do it. I don't see that being a good leverage for taking JT or any running back well, because right now free agency for a running back sucks. I, I just And I think that – as I've told you before, and I think we agree on this note, I, I think right now in this situation, the Colts are different than the other teams that are most widely being talked about here. But I, I did want to ask you this. Is there a relation, a connection that, that can be made between what the Colts did in extending Naheem Hines? And I know that he didn't put up the numbers, but they extended him, and he hadn't put up any numbers to that yeah. point either. But they trusted he was going to, and again, they rewarded their own. Is there any relation that could be made between that and what they're about to do or what they're thinking about with Jonathan Taylor? I just think the, the, the comparison is that they, they have blanket have rewarded their own. Go, I can rattle off six, eight guys, you know, Grover Stewart, the kicker and the long snapper and the punter and, and all these guys. I realize you're talking different money, but it's what they've done. It, it's, it's just what they've done. And one thing that I do think gets kind of skewed is, and JT tried to use this, is how he's, he's heavily involved in the community, which he is, which he is. But that's a good thing. But I, I, what's that going to be worth in negotiations? As long as you're not a troublemaker, you know, that's what you don't want. But his value is on the field. And one thing I heard on the radio today that I just didn't agree with is that, well, he's had one great year. Well, he was pretty good as a rookie. He was pretty good as a rookie. And then he went off the charts his second year. And last year was a down year for a lot of reasons. Yes, he ankle, but he still averaged four and a half a carry, which in years past was is, is off the charts for a running back. And I did see a stat that he's averages at 5.1 for his three years, which is like the highest per carry average by a running back in his first three years. Like, I don't know if the, if the word was ever or not, but in, in a long, long time. So, again, but I agree with you. This, this Forget the market value and forget what the Giants, and although I think, I think Barkley and, and – and, JT are very similar in their value to the situation. Team, team situations aren't though, so that's that's right, kind of why I look right. at it. But 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 and keep keep in mind that that they've got now the Giants have got their quarterback. He got the big extension, right? Forty million dollars, whatever it is, a year, whatever. The Colts have got their quarterback on a rookie contract. This gives you the flexibility if you want. To maybe overpay for a running back if 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 we want to say over if giving him thirteen fourteen million dollars a year, which is higher than market value, but you know th- that's what a rookie quarterback allows you to do. And for two years, for, for Richardson's first two years, I would love to have a a top tier running back, which I believe JT is. I saw what the Madden thing got him the sixth best running back. I. I would say he's top four. I think he's top four, and we could argue that. So, but but the the, the best friend of Anthony Richardson for the next for the first couple of years is JT. Uh, I remember that Peyton called Marshall Falk his security blanket because when you got that guy back there, it just makes a difference. And again, I go back to we're not talking long term. Four to six years. We're talking a couple of years. Two, three years is what you're asking for for JT, and then you'll move on, you'll, just because you will. 
boy, right now, I overpay a little bit, get him in here, and for, for, forget about the rest of the, the market and all this, but what what it means to your team, and as I've, I've argued, he's their best player. He is. I, I, I just believe he is. And the message it would send to make him play his contract and then franchise, he would be so so against everything that they've done up to this point. Is uh, Mike Chappell, CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Next week is the beginning of Colts camp up at Grand Park in Westfield. Mike, again with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, I'm going to make this, uh, again, connection, this relation in support of both of our arguments here. So are you assuming that Shane Steichen's offense here is going to be pretty damn close to exact what we saw in Philly a year ago? Sure. I think okay. so, yeah. And, and we're not talking about you know, Super Bowls or conference championships or even the postseason. We're just talking about helping your rookie quarterback with 13 games prior under his belt along adequately enough uh, to justify a lot of things right here. We saw the level of importance the running back and Miles Sanders played a role in that Super Bowl team of Philly a year ago. 1,269 yards, 11 touchdowns, nearly a five-per-rush average. Wouldn't you think that certainly that, that Jonathan Taylor, not just this year, but next year, would be of equal importance? Now, I know that Miles Sanders is now in Carolina, and Philly's going to see if they can reboot DeAndre Swift, I believe, there at running back now. But I just thought you saw the importance of the running back there a year ago, and I think that not only answers the question, Mike, to the now in helping out Anthony Richardson, but to the short-term future of helping out Anthony Richardson evolve as a quarterback. You agree? I, I agree. And that's why I say that it, it, there, there's an argument across the league on how they're being devalued. But locally here, I don't think that's the case. I, I think it's just the opposite. And as long, again, as long as JT is being whatever reasonable is, I, I, I don't know why it doesn't get done because he means that much to you. And they're going to, what is it? He said, uh, 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 throw to score points and, and run to win. Well, that, that means when you you know when you get in this position, you, you need to have a guy that you can lean on. in early in the game, you, you can you can bust some runs. And I, I just think to be able to have a running game, and I'm not talking just with Joe Bag of Donuts, as Ron Meyer used to say. I'm, I'm talking a running back who, who at some point during the week, the coordinator says, "Hey, we need to need to pay attention to this guy because yeah. you know in, in two years ago he, he just broke things open." And and again, that's that's one of the arguments why you don't do it is he rushes for eighteen hundred yards and eighteen touchdowns and they don't make the playoffs. That wasn't his fault. That was your fault. That was the team's fault. So I, again, I just think for all you said, and again, that's why I say for the first two years of Richardson's career, he needs that guy. He needs to have a a guy that's going to take some of the pressure, some of the focus off of him, and is going to maximize what what. Richardson does in the run game. And uh, the last thing you want is to be throwing the ball 40 times a game with a rookie quarterback. And if you don't have a robust – and, again, JT is going to be here. You know, they're talking about Josh Jacobs and Barkley missing time. Well, th- this guy's not going to miss time. He's under contract. He gets fined $50,000 if he, if he doesn't show up for camp. We've never gotten any indication that's going to happen. But it's just the, the ripple effects of – of, of, of seemingly playing hardball with him, and that, that's yeah. what the perception is going to be. That's what the PR is going to be is, why are you holding this guy's feet to the fire because you never did it with anybody else? But uh, that's why I just think I, I will be surprised if it di- doesn't get done at some point because that, that's how they've done business. And he, he, things have changed for Chris Ballard to some degree, but he still runs things. He, he runs things his way. And his way is to, is to reward his own. And I just think he rewards his own just because. Hi, Mike, in closing, did the uh, video from Instagram of Shaquille Leonard's working out do anything for you earlier this week? Oh, just show <laughs> proof of life. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I know, because until I see him out there, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was well, it, it was better than a Ballard quote or a Jim Irsay quote yeah, on McAfee's exactly. show. I will say that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But until – we get there on Tuesday and talk to Chris Ballard, and he says, hey, Shaq's ready to go. Or, yeah, he, he's getting there, but he's going to open up on Pup. That's, that, to me, is almost the worst 
news we get on Tuesday is that Shaq's not ready. And and if he's not ready then, what's two more weeks going to matter? So, you know, I, I don't know. No, it, it was better. It was better than a quote that meant nothing. But I want to see him practicing up at Grand Park. All right. Tuesday is the time. Grand Park is the place. and yeah, uh, we'll be there. You guys will be live, local, and late-breaking. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Mike, we'll see you up there, and uh, thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. I hope everything is okay. He had tweeted out a little bit earlier that he was going to hold strong for the show, yet coming back from Las Vegas on a jet airliner, ended up with a cold. Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Jeff, are you okay? Are you good? We're, we're going we're to try to get through this. We're going to try to get through this. You do? Got, um, got yeah. the good industrial strength stuff. So, what the, I, I what, sound like Kermit the Frog right now. So what happened? When did you start coming down with this cold? Uh, you know, you know how it is. Out, out there in Vegas, you know, it's it's 110 degrees, but in the gyms you got the air conditioning crank, so you go from 110 to 68, 110 to 68, <laughs> and it just you know it happens. It ain't no big thing. I get it. You Jeff know. Jeff Rabjohns is going to he, he's going to bully his way through it with that cold here via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I do want to get some of your thoughts on on football because that's certainly on the horizon, and a lot of fans of IU want to know some stuff about that. But we'll start with your escapades in Vegas. What you saw in some of those those IU targets um, as it stands right now. What's what's been your impression of what IU is doing and some of those targets that you witnessed out in Vegas. Yeah, I think to me, John, the biggest storyline for Indiana basketball right now this summer is how many elite players around the country they're either in the main group with, have an official visit scheduled with, or are in the or in the, or in the public finalist group. Um, because I don't recall any but any time that I used been, you know, a legit finalist for this many this many elite players. And I mean, here's just some of them. Number one ranked Dylan Harper, number six ranked Derek Queen, number eight ranked Leah McNeely, number fourteen ranked Boogie Flynn, number seventeen ranked Asa Newell, number twenty seven ranked Jaden Mustoff, number twenty eight ranked Tyler Betsy. Those are just the top thirty guys. They've got other guys that they're in the main group with. Number twenty one, BJ Edgecombe, number twenty three, Kenai Ruth. Guys who haven't kind of publicly announced finalists. Uh, they're getting an official visit from Austin Schwartz, who's a national top 50 guy. So I, I, I don't, you know, they're, they're they're in the main group with, with Patrick and Bongo, number 33-ranked guy. So to me, the biggest story right now for Indiana basketball is, you know, the number of elite players for whom IU is, is a legit contender. You know, Honor Boateng, number 38. Don't want to leave him out. Just talk to him. Uh, recently, so it's there's almost ten guys in the national top sixty who either have IU listed in the public finalists, who have said publicly I use one of my main schools, or have an IU official visit scheduled. So I think to me that's the number one story for Indiana basketball right now here in July of 2023. It's uh, Jeff Rabjohns of fighting through a cold, informing us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, and we certainly do appreciate that. Um, I, I want to get to a little bit of old news, and I know to, to people like you that follow this all, on a daily, an hourly, a minute by minute basis. I mean, you were privy to this type of knowledge, you know, well before it, it became uh, released. But what was um, was there disappointment regarding the whole uh, Badunga thing and not being a part of a Final Four? I, I guess I just don't recollect how hard they went after the kid from Kokomo here locally. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, Indiana went. They went hard for a good stretch, and I think um, the moment everybody was – I mean, there were always whispers behind the scenes that there were certain people around for it who wanted him to go out of state to what some people perceived to be national programs. And, yes, Indiana did go hard. 
yes, Indiana um, was told at one point in time by people around Flory that Indiana would get a senior year official visit. Other people would tell you, and did tell some of us, I'd be careful believing that. And so it's like one of those things where we reported, like when Flory came out and said, I'm going to take a senior year official visit to Indiana. Like, okay, I got to report it because he said it. So here, ladies and gentlemen, this is what he said. Now, let's go to the board, and I'm going to tell you my opinion is I believe it when I see it. So that's kind of where that thing was for the what I call coming down the stretch to the announcement of the finalists. Then we're out there in uh, Rock Hill, North Carolina, for the Adidas uh, Championships. And um, Lori and I, like after a game, we're, we're talking, and I said, okay, I said, you know, school A, B, and C, these are all expecting visits. You know, do you have an order? And he just looked at me and paused and shook his head. He said, what do you mean, no? He said, I'm not taking any more visits. I said, what do you mean? He said, he just shook his head. So I'm not taking any more visits. I said, okay. I said, all right, that's cool. And shortly after that, um, you know, I, I put a note on, on the peace board saying, hey, Floyd says he's not taking any more official visits. You know, uh, some schools are still trying, et cetera, et cetera. So shortly after that, I started getting calls from some schools involved saying, hey, Abby, you're getting bad intel. He's taking official visits. I said, okay, well, if, if you're getting something different, then, then great. I'm simply reporting what the player himself said. He said, he told me, he's not taking any more official visits. Um, there was a coach who was there in the gym at the time, walks up to me, says, hey, man, uh, somebody said you put a note on your message board that Flory said he's not taking any more visits. We got one scheduled. It's such and such. So, Coach, great. He just got done telling me he's not taking more official visits. So, a few more hours pass. I think it was the next morning. People started reaching out to me again. Okay, what now, guys? Oh, we got a hold of Flory. He's not taking any more official visits. <laughs> like, congratulations. Good job, coaches. But anyway. Um, why, why was there such a, a confusion or, or mystery going on there, I guess? Why, why was that? I don't know exactly. I don't know. Um, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I don't know if I don't know if speak people were speaking for Flory. I don't know what happened. I can't speak to the specifics of that. All I know is there was confusion. But to answer your big question, you know, Indiana made a run at him, but Indiana always knew it was going to take a lot to win that recruitment. And that's why they were, you know, consistently involved with, with Derek Queen, uh, who's a fantastic player, you know, ranked number six in the country. That's why they, they got involved with Patrick Abongo, 6'11 center from the Team Takeover program, Team Takeover, Victor Oladipo, et cetera. Um, so I think there's I – don't, I don't know how much disappointment there is. I mean, I think there's an acknowledgement that Flory's a terrific player, kind of a ready-made guy physically for the college level. Um, but I don't know how much I don't know how much disappointment, yeah, stunned, shocked. No, I don't think so. Um, and and I, and I know there's no shock for Purdue because you know Matt Painter kind of read the tea leaves early and went, "There's people who are going to push him a certain direction. It ain't going to be Purdue. I'm not wasting my time." He walked away. Gosh, we're sitting here in late July. He walked away several months ago. Read the tea leaves. Walked away. It's uh, Jeff Rapjohns of Peaks.com with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And you, you talk about the successes that they're having right now um, in in recruiting. Uh, you talk about that. That's somewhat of a, a mystery there with, with Flory um, that obviously is going to have an outcome with the Final Four. He is selected. But in terms of the preparation this offseason – to play basketball, you know, coming up in November. What, what's the squad up and down now if you want to give a late July kind of eyeballs look type of description? What's this team look like to you? And I know nobody knows anything as of yet, but as far as the collection of players that are going to maintain this roster, what, what do you think right now about it? Um, I think the, uh, the front court has a chance to be outstanding. And if Kalel Ware sort of uh, rounds into form and plays more like he did as a, as a senior in high school than as, as, as he did his freshman year in Oregon. He has a chance to be really good. Uh, Malik Renault has an incredible amount of skill. Obviously, he wasn't going to get a ton of touch, touches last year playing behind a, an All-American like Trace Jackson Davis, but Malik Renault can play. Um, you bring in McKenzie and Baco, 
who is, in, in the eyes of some, sort of like the ideal modern 4-5 man, or I'm sorry, 4-3 man, in that he can shoot it from the arc, he can handle it, he can play off the dribble, um, and, and he can kind of morph into different things offensively, possession by possession. So I think the number one thing that jumps out is I use front court should be very good. Plus you got Peyton Sparks there for some depth. Um, I think the number two thing is you've got a you know a veteran, experienced point guard uh, to to run everything. Um, a guy in Xavier Johnson who should be good on offense and, and should be very good on defense. Uh, you've got a, an ultimate glue guy in, in Trey Galloway, somebody whose three point percentage you know jumped up to forty six percent last year. And then I think you've got guys who have shown flashes during a lot of the individual skill work, um, you know, CJ Gunn, uh, Caleb Banks, you know, guys like that. Um, so I think I think the front court should be good. I think point guard play should be good. Um, you know, Gabe Cups is is one of those guys who you know, even though he's a freshman, and and we'll see how much time he gets as a freshman. You know, he's a guy who comes in with, with just tremendous work ethic, the kind of attitude you want from freshmen. Uh, they walk in and go, hey, coach, I'm here to work. I know I haven't earned anything, but watch me work. And doing the still doing the breakfast club thing, which means in the gym at, I think, 530. Uh, and Gabe will probably tweet it out if I screw this up, but um, somewhere around there. But I, I think I think that's what you look at when you see the when you look at the IU team right now. Yeah, and again, it's it's tough to, to really maintain much of uh, – I mean, you would have – better than anybody else because certainly you've been around it and obviously been able to to see and judge these players but you know to the fans out there there's a, a great deal of still unknown right there and uh just kind of curious have they had a good off season in your thought i think so i think so because um skill development has been a very strong focus of the off season and um, I was actually like debating this with some people on the on the message board the other day. People, some people were like, "Yeah, we'd like to see a little more scrimmage highlights." I was like, I "Actually, disagree." They're like, "What?" So I, I I know a number of teams that have gone to recent Final Fours who barely scrimmage during the summer. It's ninety ninety five percent skill development. Um, there's one team that's gone to the Final Four in the last five years. The head coach barely gets out of his chair during the summer to say a word during summer workouts because he doesn't want his guys to just become psychologically and mentally tired of hearing his voice. He has the assistants run drills uh, 95% of the time. So I really think the biggest thing, and I think a lot of teams that, that have success, you know, they're careful with guys' legs during the summer. They're careful with how much pounding they take. Um, you know, there's, I was I was sitting with a, uh, a West Coast coach um, out there at the Vegas event who's been very successful, and uh, he was telling me that because of their quarter system, their guys get time off after the season, come back for a couple of weeks, then they get almost three weeks off before they come back in late September. And I said, oh, man, I said, well, you guys have been really successful. How do, how do you manage the summer? And he said, the summer's great. I said, well, what do you mean? You, you just got done telling me you don't have them very often. He said, yeah, they go home, they come back, all refreshed, they're relaxed, their legs aren't tired, they're not sick of hearing me. So I I really think skill development, and and I think more programs over the next 10 years are going to figure this out. Skill development in in the summer, skill development greater than scrimmage time. I really think that a lot of people are going to start figuring that out over the next 10 years. So Jeff Rebjohns of Pigs.com, as you can tell, fighting a cold and uh, doing an admirable job right now of giving us information <laughs> regarding IU basketball. I did want to transition to this because we're not too far away from the start of the football season. What's your thought on the type of offseason and now the preparation leading up to the start of the football season for IU football and, and Tom Allen here moving forward? What are we thinking about? Yeah, I think um... – I think obviously the um, uh, quarterback battle, I think, is the most intriguing thing. It's the sexiest storyline. It's one. It, it, it's the quarterback position. You know, two. Obviously, you know everybody knows. You know, one of the contenders is Taven Jackson, and obviously, not only is he Trace's younger brother, but you know, multiple state championships at Center Grove, two years in a row at Center Grove. You know, unbeaten six A state championships, a run through the Met that 
I don't recall anybody else doing. So you have name recognition, you have local name recognition, you have, you know, sexy position. So I think to me, that's the most interesting, you know, all season storyline right now is, is, is the quarterback battle. And, you know, does, does Taven win it, you know? Um, so I think that that's interesting. Um, I think the other thing is like, there's certain areas where I think there's most likely improvement. Like I think on the defensive line, I think they're better. Um, I think they've gotten more guys who are a little bit bigger and more guys who are a little more athletic. I think they've gotten some guys who can rush the passer. I think they've gotten some more guys who are just faster side to side and can make plays, um, you know, that, that Indiana's defensive ends and defensive tackles really just haven't made a ton of um, over the last few years. So I think that's, that's an area where they've gotten bigger. So, to me, for football, those are two things that jump out early. If, if there's um, give me a positive and then you know, a negative, or in this case, a thing that needs to be worked on, you know, regarding Taven Jackson, for example. And I'll, I'll give this name because you're right. I mean, you know, as far as people know around here, that's that's kind of where you start name recognition wise under center. Um, what does he do right now that's favorable for him? What does he need to improve upon to more solidify a starting chance at quarterback with IU? I think one of the best things, he can make all the throws. He's not like a quarterback where you sit back there and go, okay, he can throw long, he can hit the tight end drags, he can hit a couple slants, but these other things, he can't make these throws. So we're pulling with about 60% of the playbook. He can actually make all the throws. I think the thing for him to win this battle is consistently make the right throw under duress. Maybe that's a four-yard chuck down. Maybe you don't try to hit the guy on the opposite sideline when the corner's only a couple steps off just to prove you got the arm strength to stick that thing in there and risk risk the pickoff. Maybe you just go, okay, we're going to take the little four-yard, you know, <clears throat> check down. I, th- I think that's the thing to hit. That's the thing for him. Just make the right play. You know, I don't know if anybody makes it 100% of the time, but make the right play a high percentage of the time, and I think that's going to give Taven Jackson a strong chance to win the starting job. Uh, you know, we, we don't know who's going to win it. It's still July, but there is every indication that Taven Jackson is going to be given every opportunity to be the starting quarterback in Indiana this fall. Is there any disappointment that he hasn't already solidified that position as a starter? Disappointment, like with who? Yeah, just I guess I guess in the terms of this, you know, maybe team wise, maybe certainly fan wise with this question. But there's any disappointment considering he hasn't already won that with what took place in the spring, for example. Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. What, you know, obviously locally, there's a lot of fans who are pulling for him, so I think they would have liked to have seen that announcement. Um, but I think a lot of people understand, you know, the idea of competition through the summer. Um, so I, and I think that's a reasonable approach. A lot of schools do that. Um, obviously, you know, Brendan Sorsby came out of, you know, Lake Dallas, you know, big time program. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to give him a chance, you know, they're going to give him a chance to compete. Um, so I don't know that I would say there's disappointment. I think, I think there's a lot of obviously Taven Jackson support, especially around, you know, these parts. No doubt about that. This is Jeff Rapjohns of Pigs.com getting you updated on a lot of things. Still a little time to go, but uh, certainly wanted to talk a little football and a lot of offseason IU basketball with Jeff via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I'm going to go ahead and cut you loose right here because it sounds like you need a little bit of rest, brother. I think you do. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the old uh, whatever you sprain your throat's and numbing. I think Dude, don't let, Ve- don't let Vegas whip your ass like that again. Come on, man. Come on. It, it, it always does. It yeah, always I mean, everybody's does. everybody's first um, excuse is always, "Well, I caught something on the plane home." I think I actually <laughs> did. I felt good until I left Vegas. It's, you know, maybe maybe I should have just stayed in Vegas for another week. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I think Vegas kind of wore you out. You sound. I, I mean, Vegas always wears me out. <laughs> You know, it's like I try to work and like, you know, some of my colleagues are like, why are you getting up and going to a 9 a.m. game game in Vegas? I'm like, well, you know, because I just, you know, I'm a dork and I want to go see it. And then you end up having dinner with somebody and you look at your watch and go, 
it's one o'clock in the morning, you know, and it's like, it's one o'clock in the morning, Vegas time. Man. It's four o'clock in the morning, body clock time. What are we doing? Part I just, of the deal, though. Part I, of the deal. I do think it sounds more manly if you were to tell everybody that you didn't catch a cold on the plane, that this is just a product of just being Jeff Rabjohns in Vegas. Okay? Oh, see, For future yeah, reference, yeah, seriously. You're, see, you're so much better at this than I am. Yeah. There you go. That's so, how I got I'm always here for the advice if you need it. I'm always here. Appreciate you, my friend. Take it easy. Go get a nap. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ohio players bring us back with fire because on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, friend of the show, Bob Kravitz, joins us. He's got a new gig, and he went fire on his prior gig, evidently, a little bit earlier today. Bob, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, man. I uh, I feel like I uh, left it all out there. You did, didn't you? You wanted to, to tell, tell them what you thought, didn't you? Well, I, I did. You know, I mean, like somebody said, oh, way to burn a bridge. I'm like, what bridge? You know, yeah. I mean, there's no bridge to be burned. I mean, that, that's yesterday's news anyway. So, yeah, I, uh, I have a new Substack column, um, and uh, I'll just uh, promote it real quickly. It's bobkravitz.substack.com, and uh, you can read all my latest offerings uh on there, I wrote my first column today. Uh, took the athletic to task um, for some of the ways they operate and the way they operated vis-a-vis me, and uh, talked about what I plan to do with the site. And uh, it's going to be exciting, man. I'm I'm looking forward to that kind of freedom. For those of us that aren't very bright, and certainly I'm uh, chief among us, uh, Substack is for those that may not know. It is a self-publishing platform. Um, you know, you, you you go on there, and you know the first uh, the first couple of uh, articles will be free to read, and you can kind of decide whether you want to subscribe. You can subscribe monthly. You can subscribe for the entire year. Um, but it's going to be more like what I was back at the Indie Star, writing more frequently. Uh, getting uh, getting my feet, uh, getting my hands a little bit dirty, um, you know, and just kind of diving into the local sports landscape and uh, writing about those things. So Bob Kravitz, and again, you can find him at uh, Substack with his his content. As you seem, you, know, you weren't down at least on the air the last time we talked, but certainly there was there was disappointment uh, because your routine was taken away. And you had to to find that. Listen, I'm I'm so routine oriented. I'm an absolute mess on a daily yeah. basis. If it's taken away, how long did it take you to to find that rebirth of sorts that you were looking for for this? Uh, I'd say you know, a good two three weeks, maybe uh, almost a month. I mean, I got let go on the twelfth of uh, January. I just you know, we were I, I I kind of had a little bit of an epiphany. I was in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, at the Jersey Shore on a beautiful day, just kind of floating. And I thought, I just want to be my own guy. I just want to be my own editor. I just want to be the captain of my own ship. And how can I do that? And uh, Scott Agnes is on Substack. Scott was kind enough to have lunch with me today and show me all the tricks of the trade with Substack. You know, I'm, I'm not real good with technology as anybody who knows me can tell you, um, you know, so uh, I, I've got a lot of people in my corner and the, the first story did pretty well. I've got a lot of subscribers and I hope a lot of other people and thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity sure. to promote it. I really appreciate yeah, it. Anytime. We love having you on. Certainly Bob Kravitz on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, what did you, you feel that um, what you thought, the athletic was going to be started to dissolve into what you hoped that it wouldn't turn into. Well, you know, they wanted a lot of local coverage at the beginning and then they wanted everything to be national. They wanted, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes the Pacers play 
fairly uh, – they, they didn't want much in the way of game coverage, which seemed odd to me. Um, they wanted something entirely different, which is fine. That's their prerogative. That's their philosophy. But I just thought, you know, if Purdue plays a big game against Ohio State in the middle of the season, I want to write about it. I don't want to write, wait three days and write, you know, the long feature about Zach Eady. So maybe I was poorly suited for this. I mean, I, I thought I was hired to write thousand-word columns off of the issues of the day, and clearly that was not the case. And so, you know, joke's on me. But, uh, you know, and then the whole thing, when I had the quadruple bypass and they put me on – on probation shortly thereafter, I thought that was the biggest piece of crap I'd ever seen in my life um, from from a, from a journalism organization or anybody else. Well, and I, I tell people this all the time in in comparison to what is national radio or, you know, national content, what you get, Bob. And you can say the same thing being a part of Substack is for people around here, you and I, we give people around here what nobody else cares to give them. And when you talked about the athletic in that way, you know, it's, you know, it's Indiana, it's Indianapolis. And knowing that they wanted more of kind of a, a national spoke in this particular wheel here, um, it leaves so many people that value local content and want it out. And I've always maintained this. I tell everybody every day, nationally, they don't care. They don't give a fat crap about what goes on around here unless Andrew Luck retires a, a second before the start of the season. That's right. all they care about. And now, you know, you can start to create that avenue because there is certainly a thirst for local content and different local Absolutely. angles around here. Well, look, you know, James Boyd, who's a wonderful guy and, and a terrific young Love James. Fan. Yes. He's the best. And he's going to do a great job on the Colts. But the fact of the matter is when I was hired, we had two guys on the Colts. We had a guy doing college basketball. We had a guy doing the Pacers, and you had me. Now, it's not a complete staff. It would be great to have somebody doing high schools. It would be great to have somebody doing this, that, and the other thing. But it was a pretty good, solid, small staff. And we just completely got away from that. You know, Zach Kiefer, bless his soul, he he got a promotion to a national uh, NFL uh, well, work. Well, if they're looking for a feature writer, that's who I think about when I think about a feature writer. You're a columnist to me. Oh, Zach's no. a feature guy. Exactly. And it, you know, it just it wasn't a very good fit. You know, they always they said they hated the hot take culture, and I'm like, well, who decides whether a take is hot? To me, a hot take is poorly reported. But if you have a strong opinion about something, for God's sake, share it. And and uh. I, I think I lost some of my edge when I was working at The Athletic, and I want to go back to being the same pain in the ass that I used to be. So um, I guess this is a great reference. So you're kind of like Stella, and Stella got her groove back on the Jersey Shore, evidently. Yeah, Correct? Absolutely. As I was floating <laughs> in the in the seas of, of Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Yes, indeed. That's exactly what it was. All right, so it was always going to be the first things first to to go ahead and uh, go ahead and, and and drop hammer and put a period um, and point and done end of story on the athletic with this initial piece. Yeah, well, you know, honestly, I thought it's my it's my story, and I don't, I I just didn't have it in my heart to say, well, best of luck to the athletic. I hope. I hope, uh, and I do, I mean, best of luck to the athletic. I hope they are madly successful. I hope they become profitable. I hope this move to the New York Times is good for them. Um, but I couldn't, in all honesty, say that the way, they, the way that I felt like I was treated was uh, uh, ethical and, and, and right. And it's it just, it, I've been stewing on it for a month now, and I just thought, I'm going to be, you know, this thing, I'm going to be brutally honest, whether it's about uh, about the Colts, the Pacers, myself, whatever. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be straightforward. And, uh, you know, I, I just felt like I had to come out, blaze, you know, guns blazing. Uh, I didn't want to just tell everybody what I was going to do. I wanted to tell them where I'd been 
and how it got to that point. Yeah, makes sense. Bob Kravitz is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I think one of the one of the points I got from you out of that, and I don't know if it surprises me or not, because I know you left and you went to Channel 13 and you were, you know, multimedia over there. And then I think that was a point in time when they changed companies. And then, you know, yeah. now, now Dave does like, you know, 35 seconds, I think, of sports every night. And that's right. about it. So it's drastically right. different than it was. But I, I guess I didn't know. Did you regret leaving the star when you look back oh on it God, in hindsight? Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's not that Channel 13 treated me poorly. They did not. They treated me fine. Uh, I mean, I had my issues, but I have, you know, yeah, you have issues with, with your employers just about any place you go or anybody you work for. Um, but, you know, I always tell my kids, don't mess with happy. And I was happy at the star. And um, I just, you know, I, I fell in love with the idea of trying something new. I fell in love with the idea of not having a deadline. And it was a bigger, it was a bigger uh, blowtorch, really, than, than the star at the time. And I thought they were trying to do something fairly unique, something they'd only done in Louisville, which was have a sports columnist, you know, or two. And, uh, but, yeah, in, in retrospect, because they got rid of me after four, four and a half years, um, yeah, of course, uh, of course I, uh, I, I regret uh, having left the star. But, you know, you live and you don't learn. It's uh, Bob Kravitz with us. His work on Substack and the first one, he shares his his pointed opinions regarding uh, the athletic and how things ended for him there. So are you are you happy so far? Did you learn a lot about Substack and, and how to navigate this particular new platform for you? I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm, uh, I'm in the process. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, we were down to Jersey Shore, and I sat with my uh, my son-in-law and my daughter, and they helped me set the thing up. My daughter got me a really cool graphic that I that I can use. And then again, I went to lunch today with uh, with Agnes, and he was incredibly helpful. Uh, we went through the whole toolbar and how to post to here and how to post to there. And yeah, I think I'm going to get more used to it. I'd like at some point to do maybe a podcast or two. I want to do a chat, but those are a little advanced for me now. But so right now I'm going to write a couple of columns for free, and then uh, you know hopefully people will say, "Hey, I'd pay for this." Hell yeah! Um, and then then start uh, making it a paid proposition. Bill Cash had tweeted at me and said that tell Bob I just signed up for the year so Fantastic. you got one right well, here god bless him <laughs> there you god go bless him god, hey we'll we'll write for food that's what i, I should have called the uh called the column we'll write for food i, I know that uh, i mean if this thing works out the way that you want it to i mean i know you don't you don't see you know the end here but uh have, have you thought about what age because I, sometimes i think about that too i'm 53 right now and yeah. i kind of you know kids are getting older kind of think about oh, sure yeah sure. What, I, what the exit I, strategy I, is going to uh, be for me do you, do you often think about that for you yes you know because because of all the stupid health issues I, i've thought about it many times you know, uh, before the Substack thing started, I thought, well, I'll go four more years at the Athletic, and then you know, sixty-seven is a good age for a lot of reasons, uh, you know, Medicare and uh, Social Security and all that. I think this is something I can do for a long time. You know, this is not a unless I win the lottery, John. Yes. Unless yes. I win the lottery, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into this. And I'm going to be uh, a long timer uh, if if this thing is the kind of success that I need it to be, <laughs> because you know, I mean, at some point you got to pay the bills. So uh, I, I hope that people not only subscribe, but just you know, read the stuff, share it, um, promote it. Um, you know, I need help in this in this thing, and, and I hope people will provide that. I think I've got a pretty um, a good decent reputation with readers they know i'm i'm, I'm honest so uh you know we'll, we'll see where it goes well, you know here. we got your back here you know that i know i, 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 know I, I think I, I i've i know i could speak for everybody here that we got we got your back we love we love having you on here so i appreciate it and you guys you had me on and jake had me on and greg had me on so uh 
Let's make it a regular thing, man. You I, got I it. enjoy coming out with you. You got it. So once again, tell everybody how they can find your work, your content at Substack. Yes. Just uh, type in bobkravitz.substack.com and you will uh, be you will move to my column right there and you can read what I had to say and it's funny I've gotten a lot of emails and messages and whatnot uh, from people who work at the athletic and people who used to work at the athletic basically saying yeah you go boy you, you, you tell you tell it like it is because a lot of people are very unhappy there. But, well, and, and then there I'm may be some that, there may be some yeah. former colleagues, Bob, of yours there that that aren't in a position much like you are right now to to go and say what they want about right. this too. And, and so I, I it was important to me. I, I didn't want to come off as small and petty, and I've always always taken the high road. When it comes to this kind of stuff, I've never said a negative word about WTHR, um, you know, at least not in a public way. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I've and I, I really didn't want to come off as petty and yeah. small, but um, I, it's just it was in my bones. I, I just I had I had to share what I had to say. It's at Substack, his first column right there regarding his departure from The Athletic back in the month of June. And you can find uh, his work in the future there at Substack. Just, uh, again, search Bob Kravitz there. And you'll find it. And we'll have Bob on to talk about some stuff. I was going to get your thoughts on the uh, uniforms today. but Because cool. I, I knew the fashionista in which you were, um, like Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, Bob Kravitz. So Well, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. If you've seen the way I dress, you know that I'm fashion forward, and I think they're pretty cool. I tweeted it out this morning, or uh, whenever it came over late late this morning. I think they're pretty sharp. What do you think? I I I really I like I like it. I'm fine with them, but I don't care. I guess <laughs> I, oh, okay. I've never really no. And that sounds I'm a, lame. I'm a radio guy. I don't have an opinion. <laughs> you see, I know it. That's the way I explained it earlier. I said this is such a lame take, but yeah, I really didn't care. It doesn't bug me. Um, I'm fine with it. I think it looks good. It's not like I'm going to count to minutes until it it debuts. But yeah, I'm fine yeah. with it. I think I like the helmet. I think the helmet's badass. I like the helmet so. a lot. The other, the the the, the uh, uniform looks to me like the Detroit Lions a little bit, um, but well, it yeah. kind of looks like Franklin Community to me. Although it looks like Franklin, <laughs> <laughs> but but I will I will tell you this uh, because Miles um, Turner, the way that he dressed, I, I found out on my my Twitter account last week that I have a lot more fashionistas that that obviously care about the way that others dress than I thought that I had. I didn't know I had so many. And it started with Miles last week, and now it goes through the Colts uniforms. So I've well, got a lot of people again, in fashion. When we think fashion, we think JMV and crap. We do. We do, too. And I've, you know, I, I rock more than occasionally uh, $5 V-neck T-shirts from Dollar General. That's where I get my clothes, Dollar General. I, I went into an appointment this morning, and somebody said, you going to play golf? I said, no, that's my daily uniform. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, look at me. This is serious. So, you know, Jim Irsay is having the Jim Irsay collection coming up here in September, yeah, and they're doing on. it down to uh, the Lucas Oil Stadium. And and Gorman called me, and he goes, hey, we, we may want you to come up there and, you know, be a part of this introduction-wise. And I thought, that'd be awesome. He said, yeah. but we will. we may have to buy you some other clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's probably right. By the way, did you go to the last show? I did not. I did not attend, but I did send some people. We had winners last week. Uh, okay. Jim Jim gave away a pair of tickets to go to Boston for the weekend to see right. you know, that performance with Peter Wolf and with uh, Kevin Cronin of the gang, and apparently that was outstanding. Well, let me tell you something. I went with my wife last year, and we had an absolute stinking blast yeah the music was phenomenal i mean when you got ann wilson up there belting it out in front of kenny wayne shepherd and mike mills and buddy guy and just uh just a who's who it's like the 27 yankees yeah that one up. Yeah, it's awesome. And you would think the last place that would go over well is Boston, and they went to TD Garden last weekend and apparently sold it out. It was great. They did. It really is Jim Ursay's gift 
to to the city that he's you know playing in. It's a free concert, and I'm telling you, I've seen I've seen all his uh, memorabilia, if you want to call it. Uh, it's, not, it's too expensive to be called memorabilia. There's got to be another collection, and it is outstanding. I mean, just you know, rock and roll, and you know, uh, yep. pop culture, and you know, it, it's amazing. And to me, especially the Jack Kerouac scroll for On the Road just blows me away because I'm a big fan of uh, of that sort of writing. Yeah, it's it is it is awesome too, and it's it's coming back here relatively soon. Bob Kravitz from Substack. You can find him at Substack. Substack. You uh, search Bob Kravitz at Substack and his latest regarding his departure from the Athletic, and then columns forthcoming, and we'll have him on here uh, whenever he wants here uh, with Bob Kravitz on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Congratulations, Bob. Keep on keeping on, and we'll do it again soon. Sounds good, buddy. Thank you, and I appreciate you having me on. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Meekum experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Meekum.com.